This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. So recently, I did a podcast on what Berkshire Hathaway and Warren Buffett were buying. And I mentioned that he hadn't added to his Apple position in the quarter. And that was probably because Apple is now not cheap, basically. It's trading at 20 times versus around the 10 times or so uh, forward earnings that it was trading at when he first started buying back in 2016. So it brings up a good question that I know one of you asked me after that episode on Twitter, and that is, when do you sell a value stock? Apple is no longer a value. Does that mean you have to sell and get out? What do you do if you're a value investor? And for the questions I get about when to sell a stock, either value or growth, whatever it is, You need to know your own strategy. You need to know your own plan. For Buffett, he has famously said that the time to sell a stock is never, (laughs) right? Like that's like his famous quote, but... Um, he bought and then sold IBM shares in just the span of like four or five years there a couple years ago. So he has sold some stocks and some he sold completely out of his portfolio. I think he's nearly um, out of General Motors as well, which he owned that for a while. But as regards to IBM, how did he decide to finally just sell it and get out? He said the company wasn't performing where he wanted to, and that's where he wanted to, you know, just finally eliminate the position because not every stock acts like as planned, basically. And sometimes the business doesn't develop as you would like either. So, You don't want to just stay in a value stock because it's still cheap or um, because you are hoping that it's going to turn into what you want it to be. Buffett decided with the IBM that IBM was not going to do what he wanted it to do and um, for the business to develop how he wanted it to develop. So best to just get out, even though he did take a loss on that position and redeploy your money into uh, more amenable things, I should say. And so the very first thing I tell people on when they ask me, when should I sell a stock is to know what is your plan? So why are you investing at all? What is your time horizon? What's your threshold of pain in terms of pullbacks, um, sell-offs, that kind of thing? And, you know, what is your goal for the investing? That kind of goes with why are you investing, but what are your goals? Then you have to figure out how to execute that plan. So you may have, as a value investor, a longer time horizon. You may have five years, 10 years. I've seen people on Twitter talk about a 20-year time horizon. But that doesn't mean you buy a stock and do nothing because obviously Warren Buffett bought IBM and sold it a couple of years later. He didn't do nothing. He still watched the business and evaluated it. So you should always be evaluating any of the businesses you own in your portfolio. And ask yourself some key questions with that. Has the business model changed? Are there new competitors? Does the product still have advantages or a moat? What's happening with management? Are they experienced? Do you trust them? 
All these are things that you should know as an owner of the business and you should be paying attention to. That's why I always tell people to listen in on the conference calls during the earnings season because you learn a lot about what management's goals are and where they're going just from listening in. Now, Buffett, like I said, asked a lot of these questions about IBM and then ultimately decided to sell it. But I got a question um, also asking about when to sell from a technical point of view. And that's a little bit trickier because, again, it all goes back to your individual plan, what you're investing for and what's your time horizon. So you may not have a threshold of pain or you may have one where a lot of people have that 20% pullback sell you could have that. You could have 15% because you just can't tolerate the 20% downward slide. Or maybe you have good tolerance and you do not consider it to be um, sellable or a danger zone until it's down 25%. But the more difficult determination, I feel, is kind of what we're finding right now as the stock market continues to hit new all-time highs. And that is maybe your value stock is up big and it's not really a value anymore. This would go into the Apple scenario. And if you had sold after just say a 20% gain, that used to be the old thing too. Um, You know, you get your double digit gain and then you sell and move on to something else. Then during a bull market, which we've been in for numerous years now, you're not getting very far. So even if you had a sell after a 20% gain, well, the S&P 500 is up 25% here in 2019. So that means you would have already sold out of some of those positions and moved on into something else. Uh, For most value investors, again, we're in it for long-term investing, not short-term. So those sell uh, technical levels don't make as much sense for us. I'm sure there might be still some of you who like to do it that way. But I do think if you're going long term, obviously, 20% is nothing. That's like a drop in the bucket based on what the S&P 500 has done historically over decades. So this goes back to what are your goals? What's your investing horizon? What is happening with the earnings and the sales growth with the company? You need to look into all of those things. My value investor portfolio here at Zacks, we have a target price chart in there that we use kind of as a guide. And so it gives the high price and the low price We tend to follow to some extent the low price because that's usually around 20, 25% pullback, but the high price tends to change. We don't sell when it hits the high price and we actually do have some stocks that exceed the high target price before the earnings season or at least before that company's earnings come in because those target prices change as the earnings reports come in because it's based on the earnings. So if a company you know beats and raises, then that usually means the analysts are going to raise full year earnings and that usually means that my target price is likely to be raised as well. And then you're not really getting much of a change in the actual PE level. 
for Apple, as an example, its PE continues to rise because while its earnings estimates are somewhat on the um, upslide, are increasing, it doesn't. Uh, it hasn't kept up with what the shares are doing. The shares are so hot that that is exceeding now what the earnings growth is uh, pulling in. So that that's why you're getting that rising PE with Apple. But Apple is one of the ones that has soared and um, the earnings are not keeping up. That's why you're getting the 20 times. And the dividend, by the way, is now just yielding a paltry 1.2% on Apple. But you'll notice that Buffett isn't selling. He's not adding, but he's not selling because what else has changed with the business? Nothing. He still loves it. It's still putting out tremendous cash flow. It's got uh, that huge subscription business now, and it just launched the Apple TV. That's probably adding numerous more subscribers and more revenue coming into that category. And that's very consistent uh, revenue just simply coming in every every month, every quarter. And so there's nothing, if you're going through a checklist of what has changed with the company, there's nothing changing there. And his holding period has always been long. I mean, again, he jokes that the time to sell is never, but he has held stocks for decades in the Berkshire Hathaway portfolio and has no trouble doing so as long as the fundamentals remain what he's looking for, remain attractive. And um, the company is performing the way he is hoping that they will perform. But what if a stock goes like parabolic? I know everybody uses that word. Um, so I'm just going to use it too. What if it goes crazy? It's soaring. Apple's kind of close to that, right? Because it's up so big this year. But what if the valuation just simply gets too absurd? You bought a value stock really cheap. It's soared. It's gone crazy. Yay. That's fantastic, right? That's what we want to have happen. And now it's trading at, you know, really sky high valuations. I feel like your gut will kind of know when this is happening because mine does. And you kind of look at it and it's going up like every day. And you're seeing that PE at like 30 or maybe 40 times. And you bought it way cheaper. And you're starting to question like, can it keep up like this? Um, you know, those are signs that maybe you should consider some other options. And what are those options if, you know, you're starting to maybe worry about how good it is? <laughs> I know that's a hard trouble to have, um, that things are just simply too good, right? And your value stock is now maybe even turned into, well, it's certainly a momentum stock, but maybe even a growth stock. Then what do you do? Well, there's nothing wrong with cashing in either. Buffett stays long for forever. That's how you get the really big compound gains over decades. But profits are never bad either. And this goes to what your goals are. Maybe you're going to need that money in three years, five years, or whatever time frame you're investing for. So that's why the plan, your goals are really, really important to this discussion. Or even if you don't want to cash in all of it, I'm a big believer in selling a portion of it and then just letting the rest ride. So if you're really nervous, like I'm going to lose all these gains, you don't really need the money, but you are concerned that it's just too hot to handle and it's going to crash down, right? Like that's the ultimate fear for most that are in a super high flying stock. And especially if you got in really cheap with a low valuation, 
that somehow it's going to all go away and it'll be for nothing. So I'm a big believer in selling part of it and then letting the rest just do its thing. It it could be whatever you want it to be. You can sell 10%. You could sell 25 I tend to sell half a lot of times in my insider trader portfolio. But either way, I'm letting the rest of it kind of do its thing and I have cashed in some of it. And sometimes that takes away like the anxiety of a market correction or some kind of bigger pullback because you've already taken some profits off the table. But as you can see, with selling, there is no magic selling formula. There's no magic like technical level. Like, yes, everyone should sell when it's up 43.5% or anything like that. Every value investor has to evaluate for themselves based on their own strategies, their investing timeline, their goals, what they should be doing. And most value investors, hopefully, we've all gotten in pretty cheaply. That's why we're value investors. Warren Buffett got in at 10 times. He's uh, sitting pretty here with it even at 20 times, because he didn't pay 20 times. He only paid the 10 times for these earnings. So it's everyone who's getting in now that's getting in much more expensively and that might have some more issues with, uh, you know, the Benjamin Graham question is, what price? What price are you willing to pay for those earnings? But he already paid cheap, so he doesn't have that. And as value investors, remember, we want Wall Street to discover our stocks. That's the whole point. That's what we want to have happen. So um, the selling trigger, like I said, is really only about your own goals. But I thought I'd take a look during this episode at a some other the big cap high flyers that I know used to be values numerous years ago. And just look at them now, they're all hitting or close to their new highs. And I thought I'd check in to see how expensive are some of these, as I know many of you are holding them in in long term portfolios. So let's, uh, let's dive into a few other names. And then I'm going to finish up with Apple again, I'm going to just look at what those earnings are looking like, since a lot of value investors own those as they were the cheapest of the fangs, right? Okay, so let's start off with Disney. I know a lot of people bought into Disney when it was kind of going nowhere a couple of years ago. Um, it just was stagnated in that narrow trading range. It used to trade around, I want to say 16 or 17 times earnings. So not dirt cheap by any means, but you know, much more middle of the road and acceptable. I do own it in my value investor portfolio here at Zacks, which by the way, if you want to check out everything that's going on in there and you want to see the uh, target price chart and how that's set up, you can do a trial. It's 30 days for just a dollar. You actually get all of our newsletters. You get my insider trader as well, but you can get the value investor through that deal. And again, remember it's at zax.com slash promo if you want to check out all this. But Disney is in there. We did hold through this real rough period of over the last year or so. And then it was a Zach's number five before its earnings report and before the Disney um, Plus launched the streaming service because those estimates were coming down as Disney was spending so much money getting that service launched. It was impacting earnings, but the underlying business was still uh, solid and 
I thought that the launch of the streaming would be a success given what properties they have. And so I stayed in it in the value investor, even though we normally do sell Zach's number five strong sells. But this was an exception to the rule, and I'm glad we stayed in it because the shares have busted out now once again to new highs. But where they used to trade at 17, 16, 17 times, they're now trading with a forward P of 26.6 times. So no longer a value. Shares are up 39% year to date now. Um, Again, the earnings are expected to decline this fiscal year, 2.7%. And then 2021 is when you return to the double-digit earnings growth of 18.5%. So this is a growth stock here, but... Again, if you're looking at this and you bought it way cheaper, and I know many of you, you bought it for your kids. I know several people bought it like 10 years ago because their kids go to all the Disney movies and the parks and everything. And so this is a long-term hold for many of you. So you have to ask yourself the questions, what's your goals? What's your plan? Has the business changed? And I think you'll have your answer on whether or not you should be selling um, Disney. So let's switch to another one that has kind of a same um, outlook, but this one never went into, um, you know, like a treading water type of scenario. And that's Home Depot, ticker HD. So this one used to trade much, much cheaper as well. Obviously, right after the Great Recession, it was dirt cheap. But even as recently as 2014, 2015, it was trading with a much lower PE. But the shares have been on fire as the consumer is just still renovating their homes, still um, you know, doing anything home-related and still confident and spending money. So these shares up 28% year to date. They had been up 37. So they, and that was an all time high. They had been soaring until the earnings report where they warned and lowered same store sales guidance. Um, so they um, did get hit a little bit on that pullback, but. Um, I took a look at earnings this year, fiscal 2020, now expected to be up just 1.8% because of the earnings warning and the lowered guidance. But 2021, back to 7.7%. But this is another one. If you bought it really cheap, you're asking, um, what am I paying for those earnings now? Because it has a PE of 21.6 now. So no longer is this a value stock either, but the underlying business seems to be holding up quite, quite well here with the consumer. Still want those remodeled kitchens, right? So still spending on that. And then switching over to the healthcare side, I know a lot of value investors bought the insurance companies, the United Healthcare's, the Aetna's, the Humana's, all of those types of stocks back after Obamacare was passed and then in the subsequent years because the earnings have just really taken off under um, the ACA as more people needed insurance and they had to go out and buy it basically. So a lot more um, customers for the health insurers. So the one I picked out was Uni- is United Health. Aetna, remember, now has been bought by um, CVS. So United Health still standalone. UNH is that ticker. Used to be, uh, you know, single digit PEs, but even now, um, 
it's still fairly cheap. And some of that is because it's actually underperforming the S&P 500 this year. It's up only 15.6%. S&P is now up, as I said earlier, about 25%. And that's because the, uh, Wall Street and investors started to get nervous about Medicare for all and what it might do to these companies and the business model. So while earnings still expected to be up 16% this year and another 10% next year, everybody's kind of jumping ship on these. The five-year return is still up 180% and that's versus 51% for the S&P 500. So these have been really hot stocks. I used to have this one in the value investor portfolio and then we, we did cash in some of our gains. I can't remember why we did. It could have been a change in the Zach's rank there um, a couple of years ago. So we decided to just cash that in and get out. But I've been in and out of all the insurers. We did own Aetna for um, quite a bit of time, and that performed really well for us. We also own CVS at some at one point. Right now, we own Walgreens, but we don't own any of the insurers at the moment. Uh, but I might have to re reevaluate some of those in that portfolio because the P is not looking it's not super cheap but it's not as high as some of these other high flyers P right now is 18.9 so yeah a little little pricey for me as a value investor but um not as bad as some of these Okay, then let's switch over to the transports because I don't get a chance to talk about them very often because they have soared other than the airlines. The airlines can still be considered value stocks, but the rails, not so much. They haven't been value stocks for a number of years, but I know some of you probably got in five, six, seven years ago and when they were values and have been riding them higher. So I took a look at Union Pacific, ticker UNP, and this one year to date up 20 29.3%. So it is beating the S&P 500. But if you look at the five-year chart, it's basically mirroring what the S&P 500 is doing. So it's only this year it's kind of taken off again. Earnings growth this year, 7.7%. Next year, 13.1%. As there's been some changes in the railroads, and they begin getting to be more efficient. They develop the system that um, allows... Uh, allows the trains to get to their destinations faster. And so that's helped with the bottom line. That's why you're getting this nice double-digit earnings growth with this industry that literally is 150 years old. I think Union Pacific itself, I think, is having its 150th anniversary um, right about now, right right this year, I believe. Um, but either way, that's a nice earnings growth, but not cheap anymore either. 21 times Union Pacific um, PE. So they haven't been cheap for a while, but these kinds of stocks are the ones that people tend to just hold on because there's not a lot of change in the business, except right now where they've gotten more efficient and they've developed this new technique that's really helping with that earnings growth. So that's an interesting side story to the rails that you might want to check out if you're interested in the rails. And then I wanted to switch back to Apple real quick. So they're trading at 20 times, like I said earlier, earnings growth this fiscal 2020 expected to be up 10.7%. And then next year, 15.7. So they still have the nice double digit earnings growth. The peg is at 1.9. So not super cheap on the peg because that that PE is now higher, even though it has the earnings growth um, trajectory. So 
Apple no longer a value, but you can see there's really not much else wrong with it here. <laughs> and that is why Buffett is still in it. Why would you want to sell or need to sell right here unless it goes into your longer term strategy, your longer term plan, and you um, are in need of that money or whatever your strategy is, and then you need to get out. So uh, that's just something to keep in mind. What are you willing to pay for these earnings? Remember Benjamin Graham's key of how much, how much for these earnings and what price, what price are you willing to pay? And as value investors, uh, we do invest for the long haul. So um, some people will hold on to stocks for many, many years and not really consider the selling part of the equation. But if you have one of these real high flyers that's now no longer a value, you're going to have to really go through the steps and consider what the business is doing. And then maybe deploy some of the strategies, like I said earlier, of um, either selling all of it or selling part of it. Um, whatever makes you most comfortable as an investor, because it really shouldn't keep you up at night, whatever companies you're investing in. So keep that in mind as we're going into 2020 with this real hot market here. So let me recap some of the tickers again. We did talk about Apple. Um, it's in Berkshire Hathaway, and most people own it, right? I do not actually myself, but a lot of value investors do. So ticker AAPL. Then we had Disney, D-I-S. That's in my value investor portfolio here at Saks. Home Depot, HD, United Healthcare used to be in the value investor, but alas, it no longer is. UNH, and then Uni uh, Union Pacific Railroad. I'm a big railroad fan. That's UNP. And remember, you want to subscribe so you don't miss any of our shows heading into 2020 because we're going to have like the roundup shows coming up in the next couple of weeks and what to look for in 2020. These are always fun. This is my favorite time of the year because I love getting new investing ideas heading into the new year. There's just something cool about it and looking for like those hidden gem value stocks. And with the stocks market at all time highs again, we're going to need to dig deep to find some uh, cool value stocks heading into 2020. So you want to subscribe. We are on Spotify and I know many of you are over there. We just joined on Deezer. I don't know if any of you are listening in the UK. I know it's like the Spotify of the UK. And so you can sign up on Deezer now. And we're also on SoundCloud, but you have to get us through the Market Edge. So search for the Zach's Market Edge on SoundCloud. You'll find us. And of course, on Apple Podcast. We're contributing to the revenue over there on Apple. But be sure to get us somewhere. And I'll see you again next week with some more value stocks.